0: Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Fired Up, the hottest sports show in Central Ohio. The show where four sports fans talk sports for the fans. Our topics for this evening are UFC 279, live from Las Vegas. The Cleveland Cavaliers add an all-star to their roster. Will it be enough to get them over the hump? The Denver Broncos lock down their quarterback. The start of the NFL regular season is finally here, previewing Bills versus Rams. The moment we've all been waiting for, the college football playoff expansion. Uh, College football season starts with a bang. The Fire Brigade recaps last week's games and gives you their predictions for week two's biggest games. With that, I give you your assistant chief of our Fire Brigade, Colton Cap.
1: Thanks, Matt. Appreciate it. Uh, We're back here live in the studio. We're we're a man down tonight. Just going to be me and Matt in the studio. The the chief is uh, fighting fires and uh, really giving the uh, Fire Brigade their their (laughs) name tonight. So we're going to... Do it just the two of us here tonight, and uh, we're, we're going to give you a lot, lot to talk about. You know, wide variety of topics here to talk about. But you know, always love it to you know get get a bunch of stuff to talk about. But we're going to start off with a little bit of uh, UFC talk to start. And uh, Matt, you want to get us started a little bit on that? I know. You had had some comments before the show about about this card, so we'll uh, we'll let you start, and then we'll we'll, we'll wrap it up
0: there. Yeah, I mean, just looking at the card, it's, it's definitely not a, a stellar card by any means. No championship fights on, on the uh, on the card there this, this week, but you know, there is a little bit of intrigue, and uh, you know, really the the main the main fight of the evening is uh, a Kaz, Kazat Shemayev. Shum, <laughs> I'm, I'm terrible pronouncing some of these names. But uh, he's 11-0 in his UFC career, six six KOs. He's taking on the, the veteran here, Nate Diaz. He's 20 and 13 in his career, five KOs, 11. He's got 11 submissions in his career. But Nate Diaz is kind of on the downswing here lately. He's four and six in his last 10 fights. And it doesn't seem like he's got much of a, much of a chance in this thing going against the hot young, young guy coming in. But, mm-hmm. you know, I, I always think, with, with the young guys, you never really know what you're getting. You got the experience there of Nate Diaz, and I, I think if really anything could happen in this. And that's, that's kind of the intrigue here, having the old bet against the young guy. And mm-hmm. it, it'll be fun to watch. I think Nate Diaz will put up a good fight. Mm-hmm. I think ultimately uh, Shem- Shemev will end up pulling out the victory here.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's going to be gonna be different uh, you know like I said I think for, for Nate Diaz this is more of kind of a, a, a money grab or you know something just to keep him somewhat relevant in the in the UFC's a big a big fan favorite I mean a guy that just he's not afraid to go up against anybody it doesn't matter what the guys ranked or what his record is or even what his own record or how he's done in his past performances if, if UFC wants to give him a fight I mean he's willing to fight just about anybody so he's definitely definitely a fan favorite you know coming into this into this one i mean he does come into the fight at at, uh you know 37 years old which is you know pretty old for for a ufc fighter and has only one only has one ufc win in his past six years so not coming in you know with with a lot of steam or you know whatever but i I think at the same time this is this is going to be an interesting one um you know i I don't expect diaz to, to win by any means but I think it could be could be interesting because uh, Diaz is one of those guys that, you know, when you doubt him, that's that's when he's at his best. Right. Um, you know, and, and the guy just goes out there, and I mean, he can be bloodied up from head to toe, and the guy is going to last all five rounds. He's going to give you everything he's got for all five rounds. So I think that's definitely going to show us. You know, can the can the new blood here? Can he go the distance? Right. You know, because Absolutely. this will be the first time that that Kamzat is. Uh, fighting all five rounds, you know, this is his first one where he's fighting somewhat of a, you know, championship bout, if you will. Uh, so first time he's going to, you know, go the distance or, you know, potentially go the distance with, with five rounds. Um, and, and in his last fight against Gilbert Burns, Gilbert Burns took him to three, was the only person to ever take him to three rounds. So, you know, he came out with, you know, uh, Kiamiv came out with a uh, unanimous decision, very, very close unanimous decision, but, you know, it'll be interesting to see, okay, we add, an extra couple rounds in here. Right. Can the young guy, you know, show that he he's able to, you if know, go the distance, the stamina, you know, have right. the stamina and, and, and because he looks like a guy that, that's going to be an up and comer in this, in this division, a guy that's really going to be kind of a, a, a household name here for a little while, if he can continue and, you know, show what, what he can do. And I think this will be a nice test to see from an endurance standpoint, you know, is he, is he there from, from an endurance standpoint? So, be very, very interesting to see. Um, but you know, a couple other, you know, big ones, you know, you got, uh, the other welterweight kind of, kind of bout there between, uh, Lee G, G Liang and, uh, Tony Ferguson, who, you know, Tony Ferguson, you know, just two years ago was coming into the octagon with a uh, 12 fight win streak. But you know, in those two years now, he's 38 years old and he's lost four straight fights. So it, it, and it's and it's kind of a um, you know a new a new thing for him. He's actually going back to the one hundred and seventy pound division for the first time in eleven years. So, you, you know, he's lost four straight fights. You know, maybe making a, a switch back down to you know one seventy, see if that you know that helps or what that's going to do for for him. But you know, a couple of, yeah, just interesting. I think, I think for me sometimes, um, you know, the big names on the card, those actually turn out to be the eh, they're okay right. fights. It, it's most of the time, you know, at least last several events that I've watched where it's like, man, this card stinks. It actually turns out to be a a great card because, you know,
0: just just a bunch of up and comers.
1: Yeah. Trying to, you know, get their name out there, you know, stay, stay relevant or, you know, keep, keep building their, you know, notoriety in the UFC. And it turns out to be, you know, a a great one. So we'll see, we'll see what happens with this, with this UFC, you know, card, but uh, yeah, this this Saturday, you know, September 10th, uh, tune in and it's yeah going to be live from, from Las Vegas. And like I said, a lot of guys that you know, I think, have had you know some some past you know glory in the UFC that are still trying to you know just keep their name out there. So we'll see we'll see what happens, but uh, yeah, could could be could be an exciting one or it could be a real a real dud. I think yeah. so. We'll we'll see we'll see what happens, but uh, yeah, tune in Saturday night to see what happens in the UFC. So absolutely. All right, switching over to a different sport, a little less uh, combat uh, here. We're going to go to the basketball court and uh, the hometown Cleveland Cavaliers, or at least the hometown here for, for me and Matt, the Cleveland Cavaliers made a big move here in in the off season, Uh, just, you know, about a month or so away from the season starting here and making, making moves. And that's uh, Donovan Mitchell making his way over to Cleveland and, and the jazz getting a plethora of players and picks. Um, So, Matt, what do you, what do you think about, about the move or, you know, for both teams, you know, was there a winner, clear winner, clear loser, you know, what, what do you think?
0: You know, I, I think both sides really kind of win in this deal. The, the Cavs trade away, uh, Colin Sexton, uh, Laurie Markkinen, Oche Ajabaye, are 2025 first round, 2027 first round, 2029 first round, and then pick swaps in between the, those other those out years on that, that deal. But, uh, you know, none of those guys, though, were really the core of this basketball team. So they they, they don't lose any of their key pieces because they, they, they returned back uh, all-star Jared Allen and Darius Garland, which are two, two huge things. And adding uh, another all-star to this lineup, you've got three all-stars out there. They've, they've got a big three of their own now, and they've got a chance to really start competing in this East. It's, t- it's tough to really tell how good they're going to be in the East, though. Because the East is just absolutely loaded with talent these mm, days, yeah. So it's it's gonna make the it's gonna be a fun conference to watch. I, I, the Cavs I think will be a be a top four team in the East, and we'll, we'll see what they can do with this deal. Uh, Mitchell for his career, he's averaged twenty three point nine points per game, four point two rebounds, four point five assists, and he shoots forty four percent from the field. Mm. I mean that's just that's a heck of a basketball player. He scores munches. It's it's exactly what the Cavs need to kind of. Start getting over that hump and getting back into title contention. Yeah,
1: do you think that do you think the Cavs gave up too much to get to get Donovan Mitchell, or you know, you think that was that was worth it, or you know, I guess we'll find out when the season <laughs> right. how how it goes. But uh yeah, it, I, I don't know. It,
0: it definitely is a whole lot of draft capital, mm-hmm. but you know, it, it's 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 kind of par for the course with mm-hmm. what you got to trade to get an All Star these days. It, I mean, they're they're right in line with kind of what everybody else is doing. So I, I think they did what they had to do. I think if they just held up, if they held on status quo with the team they had, they, they weren't going to be, contenders. they were going to be borderline yeah. playoff you know, they team were every, be year. every year. Yeah. yeah. So I, I think if they, they really wanted to be contenders, this is, this kind of what they had to do. And if you're near the top of the league, you know, that, that first round draft pick Usually isn't all that great anyway. So it, it, if they can keep themselves up there, you know, top top two or three of the league, mm-hmm. they're, then, they're, they're not losing a lot on, right. on those draft picks. Yeah, so, you know, it's, it's not, not a terrible deal.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. I think uh, this is this was a good move, you know, and and kind of a surprising move because we you know we talk about the Cavs being you know one of those small market teams. You just mm-hmm. don't you don't see them do that, and they kind of came out of out of nowhere. I mean, earlier in the week it was oh, he's going to the Knicks. The Knicks are trying to get this deal done. Oh, the Knicks, the deal fell through. Now we're, you know, going to take a little bit of a pause and wait for the the Knicks to come back with something better, you know, whatever. And then, in the, you know, out of nowhere, all of a sudden it was Cleveland Cavaliers have traded for, you know, Donovan Mitchell. And, right. and, and to me, you know, I think that they, they added a nice piece to to a roster that, you know, already has two all-stars in Darius Garland and, and Jarrett Allen and rookie of the year runner-up last year in, in Evan Mobley. So I think, they have a very, very young team and a team that, that I think even, even Donovan Mitchell himself is only 25 years old. Right. So, you know, I think it's, it's another young piece that they can add to an already young team. Um, and I think that, that it's really going to, yeah, set the Cavs from going from a borderline playoff team in the East to now one of those top, you know, top four teams in the, in the East. And I think it, being in that top four, it's anybody's game then to either, you know, make it to the Eastern Conference Finals or or to make it to the NBA Finals. Absolutely. So I think, you know, definitely the Cavs have revitalized themselves since, you know, LeBron left for the second time. They've, they've, you know, made some moves and hats off to, you know, the front office. They, you know, have done a phenomenal job through the draft, through, you know, picking up young players, through trades, whatever, to, to make this team into the, you know, the contender that they are in the, in the East. So definitely, I, I think, you look at the price that they gave up and you also say, you know, yeah. Okay. Mitchell, you know, he he gave up quite a few picks and whatnot to get him. But at the same time, Donovan Mitchell is still on a four year $134.9 million extension. So it's not like you gave up all that capital to have this guy for potentially one year. You, you got him under contract for, for quite a while here. So I think it's definitely, definitely interesting. Um, But yeah, I think obviously the jazz are just from, from their perspective, they're just continuing the rebuild, yeah. uh, you know, after getting rid of Rudy Gobert earlier in the, in the offseason and now getting rid of Donovan Mitchell, their coach, you know, coming in, or, you know, their coach basically retiring or, you know, leaving the team and now they have a new head coach. I mean, the, the full rebuild in Utah is, is,
0: is happening. Yeah, you um, got to feel bad for guys like Mike Conley who are still kind of stuck on that roster right. well, going there thinking they have championship aspirations, Right.
1: Well, and the interesting thing is that, you know, the jazz they now have 13 unprotected or lightly protected first-round picks through 2029, um, but from what I'm hearing or the rumors around the NBA, the Jazz ain't done shipping out veterans. And and you talk about Mike Conley, that's one of the names that have been thrown out there potentially trying to get some you know right. more draft capital or you know some other younger players. Um, Mike Conley, Jordan Clarkson, and uh, Bojan Bogdanovich are also. Um, on the on the list so you know three more veterans that were kind of the core of that of that playoff team or you know some of those playoff teams they've had the last couple of years so i mean it's it's total you know strip it down right. to bare Just bones start and start completely over for for the jazz so you know i think they're the jazz at this point are somewhat vying for that number 1 pick for next year mm-hmm. um, and, and we'll see you know if they can start to you know rebuild that team you know from from scratch and see what they can be I, I look at this as a similar to like Oklahoma city type, you know, rebuild of just yeah, basically starting from nothing right. and, and trying to rebuild through the draft and, you know, pick up a lot of picks and see, see what happens. But, uh, you know you, I just, know,
0: you rarely see rebuilds like this actually pay off though. It seems it, it takes forever. The only team most recently that comes to mind that have, have been successfully able to do a rebuild like this Boston Celtics mm-hmm. and, uh, kind of talking about that though, the, the, the key part of that is, I believe, is now the GM with the Jet. With I believe it's the Jazz, the same GM now. So mm-hmm. you know, I, I think he's taking a lot of what he learned to do there in Boston, and mm-hmm. he's going to apply it in Utah and try to get them turned around.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So we'll see if it pays off for for you know both teams. What happens here in the future, and uh, you know, but hats off to, like I said, the small small market team in the Cleveland Cavaliers, and you know them making making a big move here. So all right, well. Moving on over to the gridiron here, uh, we're gonna we're gonna stick with the gridiron, you know, both professionally and and in the college ranks for the next uh, you know 30 40 minutes here. So we're gonna start start the NFL, and that's uh, gonna be talking about a little bit of uh, news out west at in the Denver Broncos camp. They locked down, you know, their newly acquired quarterback in Russell Wilson, making sure that he's gonna gonna stay there in, in Denver for the foreseeable future. Get him for a uh, five-year, 245 million dollar. Contract extension, including a 165 million dollar guaranteed contract. Matt, what do what do do you think about that? I mean, obviously they're they're putting their eggs
0: all in one basket. You know, does does Russell Wilson have anything left in the tank? Or yeah, I mean this this will make him the uh, second highest paid quarterback in the NFL on a per year basis, only behind Aaron Rodgers. Now, you know, I I think they did have to sign him to an extension. They gave up an awful lot to get him get him there in Denver. So I, I think, you know. Getting, getting him on extension was, was a big deal because now the the draft capital they gave up mm-hmm. seem, seems less mm-hmm. less, of a, less problematic that way. So, mm-hmm. you know, I, I think that, that's a good thing. And, you know, I I think he does, he's, he's still relatively young. He's not super 30, old. 33 so years old. Yeah, so. I, I think five years is an okay amount of time for him mm-hmm. to be a quarterback in the league and, and still play at a high level. Yep. I, I mean, I know he kind of had a couple down years there recently in Seattle, but the roster around him kind of was down as well. And Right. You know, there's a lot of turmoil going on there. I, I think he'll be able to return to form in Denver, and I, I think it's going to look to, look to be a good contract. It's yeah,
1: absolutely. Well, if, and if you ask if you ask Russell Wilson, he's going to play out this contract and more. He, he says he plans to play 10 or 15 more seasons. Oh. So we'll see. We'll see what you know. He's already entering his 11th NFL season now. So we'll see if he can you know be amongst the ranks of you know Tom Brady. That seems right. like the guy never never dies, never <laughs> dies can never stop playing. So we'll see if Russell Wilson can, can hold up uh, to that. But, uh, you know, I think, yeah, this is, this is good for the Broncos, you know, um, obviously, you know, uh, Russell Wilson still had a couple of years left on his deal, you know, coming over from, from Seattle. But I think from kind of a distraction, you know, standpoint that this helps the Broncos, they, they get it out of the way. They don't have to worry about it. They now have their have what they think is going to be their franchise guy there, there in Denver after, you know, they have struggled they've had 10 starting quarterbacks over the past 6 seasons so they hope that they found their guy you know they gave up you know they gave up some draft picks to get him but now they got him you know signed under you know a big contract you know hoping that you know they have good things there there in denver because not only have they had so many you know different different people starting quarterbacks but they have been to the playoffs since they won their Super Bowl, you know, and, and uh, you know, so they're looking to just, you know, get back in the playoffs and, you know,
0: be a threat there, there in the playoffs. And I think, you know, Russell Wilson definitely gives them that, that opportunity. And really another thing to keep in mind is, you know, that, that's a five-year deal now and these deals are just going to keep going up, 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 up. You're going to have Herbert coming up soon. You're going to have Burrow coming up soon. Absolutely. So, I mean, Lamar these, Jackson still yeah, hasn't gotten Lamar his Jackson deal. Still. So these, right. these quarterback contracts are just going to keep getting higher. Right. So right. It's really good timing for them to get mm-hmm. kind of locked in now and right. and, and have their guy for, for the next five years.
1: Yeah. And I, I guess it uh, probably helps, you know, getting this deal done when you have the wealthiest group in the NFL backing, you know, all of the, the Denver Broncos contracts and, uh, you know, just a little bit of history um, earlier in, in August, uh, the Broncos were actually purchased for four point six five billion dollars um, by the Walton Penner Group, which um, if you if you heard the last name that the Waltons are the owners of Walmart, mm-hmm. they you know, they the, the father and the, and the daughter uh, bought, you know, as a part of the larger group or whatever, um, bought the Broncos you know, obviously we know Walmart's status, you know, amongst, uh, you know, industry and, you know, what their businesses were. So it probably helps to get this deal done when you got, you know, a rich group like that Absolutely. back in, back in your paychecks. But uh, no, I think this is, uh, you know, a, a good move for, for Denver and for, for Russell Wilson, um, you know, just a few stats, you know, Wilson has 113 wins, you know, regular season and playoffs combined, which are the most for any NFL player in his first 10 years. So, the guy wins. The guy wins games. Um, you know, obviously, I think the, the relationship in Seattle had kind of played its course there the last couple of years. It just seemed like Seattle never really did enough to, to surround him with, with enough talent, or it seemed like the offensive line was always a, a problem, and just, you know, he had been hurt, you know, off and on over the last several seasons. So, I think, uh, yeah, if Denver can address, you know, some of their offensive line woes, they, they got some weapons on that offensive side of the ball, and, and adding Wilson to the to the mix, I think, only helps them out there in, in what is going to be a, a tough AFC West with, the, with the chiefs, the chargers and, and themselves, you know, out there. And, and the Las Vegas Raiders can't forget about them. I mean, all of those teams adding high profile pieces in the offseason, it's going to be, you know, hard enough just to compete, you know, be competitive in their own division. But, you know, I think Russell Wilson definitely gives them that, that, that opportunity, that option. So, <laughs> all right. Uh, well, moving over to, Some more NFL talk. We are finally, finally, the NFL regular season is is back, and we're going to get kicked off tomorrow night uh, with the Buffalo Bills versus the defending Super Bowl champions in the Los Angeles Rams. I'm going to be out west, um, and it's going to be an 8.20 p.m. Eastern time start over on NBC. But, uh, you know, you'd think Rams coming off a Super Bowl victory, they'd be the favorites at their own home stadium. Not the case, my friends. Bills favored by two and a half, three, or, or you know, some of them even have them as high as three points uh, coming into this one. So, Matt, what do you what do you think about this game? What do, what do you you know what do you expect from both the teams? I mean, this is going to be the kickoff of the right. season. So, yeah,
0: and, and what a way to kick the season off! I mean, you got a battle of last year's Super Bowl champions versus a team that really could have been in the Super Bowl last right. year if it weren't for you know losing that. <laughs> most exciting playoff overtime game you've probably ever seen in your right, life, right. back and forth action. So, mm-hmm. I mean, the, the Bills were a step away from possibly being there themselves. So these are two high-caliber teams getting ready to square off and go head-to-head. And, and like like you said, you would have thought the Super Bowl, returning Super Bowl champions would have been would have been the uh, favorite here. But, you know, Matthew Stafford's coming into this season. He's not 100% healthy right mm-hmm. now. He's got a shoulder issue. And uh, the Bills, they've made quite a few upgrades in the offseason. They've got, they upgraded their defense, adding – the biggest piece of the deal was with uh, was with the Rams last season and Vaughn Miller, you know, adding, adding that big linebacker piece there. They also picked up Shaq Lawson, Jordan Phillips, Daquan Jones, and Tim Settle, all all guys along the defensive line. They're going to help put pressure <laughs> pressure on the opposing team's offenses. I think those upgrades and with Matthew Stafford not being 100%, I think the the Rams really are right for the picking, and I think the, the Bills are going to get this thing done.
1: All right. Yeah. Well, you know, I think it's, yeah, definitely going to be, going to be interesting. Um, You know, obviously the kickoff of the season, we don't know, you know, what we're going to get with both of these, both of these teams to start, start the season. I mean, on paper, they both look, you know, phenomenal. They got the stars. Um, You know, I think it's going to be, going to be interesting that the bills added, you know, former Los Angeles Rams uh, defenseman uh, Von Miller to their already defense. That was already scary last year. And we know, what it did for that Rams defense. I mean, the the Rams defense already seemed somewhat elite, and then they added Von Miller, you know, somewhat at the trade deadline last year, um, and it, it put you know somewhat put them over the top and made them you know um, Super Bowl winners. So we'll see what what he can do in, in Buffalo. Um, you know, see if he can produce the same you know type of stuff that he had had there in Los Angeles. Um, and yeah, nothing better to. Get to face your former team on opening right. opening night, you know, and, and obviously the Rams are going to be getting their, you know, the Super Bowl rings and be putting that that banner up in the up in the rafters. So it's it's going to be you know an exciting night. I, I expect you know the Rams to have maybe a little bit of jitters coming out of there, a little bit right. of you know emotion coming coming out of the gate, but uh, you know I think they'll they'll settle down and, and and you know be be all right. I expect this game to be be exciting. Uh, two two elite teams coming into this, um, but I think for me the key is going to be can the bills get, get the running game, get the running game going? Um, you know, I, I think we know what we're going to get from, from the passing game with, you know, their, their QB and Josh Allen and, and Stefan Diggs and the plethora of wide receivers they got in, in Buffalo, but can they do enough to get that running game to keep that defense honest, yeah. um, you know, on the other side of the ball? Um, yeah. Because an interesting, interesting stat from last year, the bills last year, when they rushed for less than hundred yards, they were Oh, and four. Um, And on the, on the flip side though, the the Rams didn't allow more than a hundred yards on the ground, uh, in, in 13 games, they went 11 and two in those games where they allowed, you know, less than a hundred yards. So, you know, it's going to be going to be, I think the key to the key to the matchup, you know, can the Rams, you know, stop the, stop the rush attack, keep, keep the bills basically one dimensional, uh, and, and force them into some, some risky throws, or, you know, maybe possibly, you know, get some turnovers there, but, uh, you know, for me, I think I'm I'm gonna go the I'm gonna go the flip side here. I, I think the Rams get it done, right. and they're you know they're they're everybody's discounting the Rams, They're the the, the Super Bowl champs. And uh, you know, a, another you know crazy stat that I saw, um, if if the Bills you know by some chance were able to beat beat LA, is be the first time ever under Sean McVay, and he's been the coach since 2017. First time ever that the Rams would have a record below 500
0: huh. ever.
1: Um, wow. But on the flip side, there. The Rams have never lost a season opener at home under Sean McVay, so I think the Rams, you know, that, that all that excitement, all that, you know, um, that that excitement, they're going to see that that banner go up there. Like I said, I think it's going to be a little bit of a slow start for them, but I think that they'll they'll get it turned around, they'll they'll figure things out. I think uh, they get it get it done at, at home. Um, you know, East Coast team flying to the West Coast, gonna be a little bit of a of a time difference there. So I think the Rams get it done there, and they they uh, you know cover cover that spread as, as the home dog. So, <clears throat> I guess I,
0: I think to me it's just the biggest thing is that Matthew Stafford, if he, if he's not a hundred percent, he's mm. not you know that offense isn't moving like it should. Right, going to be a big big problem for the Rams. But mm. you know, it's, I don't think anybody's really sure how serious this shoulder injury is and how, how right. bad it's going to be. So and we yeah, I don't think that they're really out they're see. not really
1: disclosing yeah. the full extent of whether it's as bad as they make it seem or, you know, it's not that, you know, we we don't really know the full extent and I guess we'll we'll find out probably early on and and see, you know, what, uh, you know, what the Rams, what the Rams can do early on. But yeah, I think definitely if Stafford's not a hundred percent, I don't think that the, the Rams, you know, can, can hope for good, good things. Um, but obviously it's only, only week one, but you'd like to set the tone to set the tone early and, but, uh, you know i think yeah it could be could be a very exciting matchup you know great way to start start the nfl season so. yes. all right well, we're going to take a quick uh, commercial break uh, stick with us here and we'll be back for some more uh, college football action this podcast is sponsored by podbean podbean is the easiest way to create your own podcast we use podbean to host fire up download the free podbean podcast app to start record and publish your very own podcast in minutes Podbean provides everything you need to run your podcast, and you can record and publish episodes directly from the app on your phone. Download the free Podbean app today. That's P-O-D-B-E-A-N. Head on over to Podbean at
0: www.podbean.com and use the code PODCAST21 for your first
1: 30 days of podcast hosting for free. Check it out. All right, and we're back. All right, like I said, we're gonna get started with some uh, college football, staying in the gridiron, but uh, switching to the college ranks here. And we're gonna talk about some big news that probably everybody heard about, and college football fans are rejoicing about, and that's the uh, the news that the College Football Playoff Board has uh, announced that they will be expanding the playoffs <clears throat> to from four teams to twelve teams. Um, for sure, in 2026, but could be as early as 2024. Uh, Matt, what what do you think about this one? Uh, definitely exciting <laughs> news. Something that people have been clamoring for for a long time here, and finally they, they get it. They get it done.
0: <clears throat> yeah, I, I don't. I like it. Part of me doesn't like. It. I almost think 12 is too much. I think it, it could have been eight, but mm-hmm. you know it is great to see more teams finally getting a shot at mm-hmm. this thing. You know, there's been so many teams that have been riding right the cusp these last few years. It really felt like they could have made some noise if mm-hmm. they got in. Right. So, you know, th- this would be pretty cool. And for me being a Buckeye fan, I gotta say this, this would be great for me because they, they would have made more playoffs than uh, any other team. Mm. Out there, for, if they would have had this in place uh, at the very beginning, at the very beginning, okay, so yeah, so yeah the, the Buckeyes would have been in. I believe they said every year. Okay, uh, nice. This thing, and, nice. uh Alabama would have, been, would have missed one one season. Okay, so right. but yeah, the, I mean the new format's pretty cool. It's going to get six of the highest ranked conference champions an automatic bid to the playoffs. So mm-hmm. so it's not necessarily the Power Five conferences; mm-hmm. it's the highest ranked conference champions. Yep, yep. So so that's that, that's a good deal, and then. Then you got your six at-large teams, right. uh, the top four conference champions, and they'll get the first-round bye. They get to sit home and, and, and rest a little bit. Mm-hmm. Teams five through twelve then are going to face off against each other beginning uh, the second or third week of December. Mm-hmm. And then the quarterfinals and the semifinals will be played in bowl games on a rotating basis. So I, I, I'm assuming then that the the five through twelve matchup is the the higher seed gets gets home field. I, yeah. I didn't read that though, so yeah. I wasn't sure. Yeah, I would
1: assume that that probably. Uh know would be the case or that's how they're they're going to handle it yeah i didn't, didn't see exactly or you know didn't really spell that out anywhere that i was was reading but yeah i would make the assumption that yeah in those five through 12 you know kind of those first round games that yeah the higher seed gets you know somewhat home field advantage and then uh you know then like you said moving into kind of the, the second and third rounds you know and even even the championship game they're you know played at somewhat of a neutral site or you know bowl game sites and then you know for sure the championship game is a, is at a neutral site so right. It's going to be, uh, yeah, it's going to be different. You know, I, 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 you know, definitely like it. I think, you know, maybe, maybe 12 teams is a little bit too much, but at the same time, it's, it's, you know, it's better than nothing at this point, because, you know, before this, they were talking, you know, Oh, it's, you know, we, we're not going to get it done. We got to at least wait until after the 2025 season to even put it back on the table to even start discussing it again. And, you know, I I think ultimately, you know, at the same time, it always comes down to, you know, money, money, money. And, and, the teams you know it, it seemed like the uh, from what i was reading the groups that were somewhat still opposed to it were the acc the pac 12 and the big in the big uh, the big 10 uh, which to me the big 10 seemed a little bit surprising just because they they you know are one of the better conferences right. they, already they but, they'd at least
0: get two in yeah they, every they year. get a
1: couple guys in there at least every year so i don't i don't know what their what their major hang up was but um, you know for me i think i think the pac 12 finally you know it made sense pac 12 sign off on it because now it gives them an opportunity. They, they're obviously the conference that, you know, has not, you know, had a good showing, has not really made the playoff, has, you know, whatever. They um, did not fare well in realignment. Right. They lost to right, their marquee program. Right, absolutely. So this, you know, gives them an opportunity, almost somewhat a, a shoe-in now for them to get, you know, a team into the playoff almost almost every year. Um, so I think that, you know, was a, was a big thing. Um, and, you know, the ACC, obviously, I think somewhat – somewhat in the same the same boat as kind of the Pac twelve with all this realignment, the ACC, the Big Twelve and and the Pac twelve have all kind of been somewhat left behind because, you know, a lot of their strong members or, you know, whatever have made made the jump to the different, you know, different conferences. So I think they kinda saw the handwriting on the wall there that, you know, hey, we need to expand this playoff so we can at least give our conferences a chance to get some teams in there to to generate some revenue and and kinda try to keep their their conferences alive at this at this point but uh you know like i said the first time that this you know for sure is going to happen in 2026 but they're working you know somewhat around the clock or working you know uh to, to try to get this thing as soon as, as 2024 so you know, money
0: talks I, I think the networks are going to want this thing mm-hmm. in place i i think we're going to see it sooner than later yeah
1: i think you know it, it'll definitely happen sooner um you know i, I think yeah it just doesn't make sense not to try to, you know, you know, I think so. I think they'll, they'll try to do everything they can. And with, with all, yeah, these big, big contracts that have just recently been signed with all these TV, you know, providers, I think that they'll, Mm -hmm. they'll find a way to to get it done and, you know, give the college fans what they want a little bit, a little bit sooner. So, you
0: know, and and speaking of money talks though. So if you're, you're a college team, you're getting into this playoff would you rather be one of the five through 12 teams because you're, you're getting an extra game? You're yeah. not making a little more money for your university. Uh-huh. Is, is that something teams might, might play into or you think they're, they're going to want that week of rest.
1: It probably, it probably all depends on how your team's coming into that play. Right. Have you coming in banged up, you know, yeah. got some injuries, whatever. It, it's probably no different than like the NFL playoffs of trying right. to get that first round by it's, it's a matter of, yeah, what, what does my team look like coming right. into the playoffs? Um, I think definitely, you know, if, if, because at the end of the day you're trying to make you're trying to make the most money. So does it make sense, you know, let's sandbag to get five through twelve but my team's all banged up. Right. Do we really have a good shot of even winning that first round game? You know. So I think it really depends on what what my team looks like coming into that playoff. If I'm somewhat red hot, you know, maybe I do wanna be in that five to twelve because then I can kind of keep that get momentum that going. Yeah. But yeah, if I'm coming into the C or coming into the playoff and I've got, you know, injuries on every side of the ball, you know, maybe I do want to take that that extra week to just get, you know, get rested up, you know, kind of know my game plan of, you know, who I'm going to be playing, you know, and and kind of know what players I'm going to have available and, you know, try to fit my scheme around that. So I think, yeah, it's definitely going to be one of those interesting things where, yeah, it it could come down, like I said, what does your team look like come December, you know, come, come towards the end of the season. So, and I think at the same time, this this makes it interesting because it always seems like at least you know with the four with the four team format that you know Ohio State it, it somewhat devalues I don't know devalues that Ohio State Michigan game because it always seems like every year going into that Ohio State Michigan game that's the determining factor of who goes to the Big Ten Championship right, and who's, going, and, and who's to going, going to the playoffs. So it, it now you know it, it with with you know the twelve teams. You somewhat can lose that game and, and still have a very good right. shot. At, and, and so it, I can see it both, both ways. Now, you know, either team, if they lose that game, it's not like, uh, you know, our, our season's over all right. based on one game. Um, it's now, okay. You know, I can play that game. Okay. If I, if I, if I lose, not to say that they're, they're playing to lose, but it's, it's, it's it somewhat, you know, you can see both both sides of the argument. It's not
0: necessarily over. Right,
1: but now, yeah, now you can say, oh, you know, we lost that game, you know, hard-fought game against our rival, but now we still have something more to play for right. because we didn't just lose that one game, and, and now
0: we have, have a playoff chance still. Well, so. and fun fact, had the system been in place last year, the Buckeyes and the Wolverines would have squared off in the first round of this thing. There you go.
1: Yeah, nothing like a, a rematch, a, you know, a week or two later. So, absolutely, um, you know. Gives an opportunity to maybe see it, yeah, twice a year instead of once right. a year. So uh, we'll we'll see how this plays out. But uh, you know, just a just a fun fact: the uh, you know the, the national championship game is, is is slated at the moment in 2025 to be hosted in, in Atlanta and then Miami in 2026. So we'll see if they keep those same sites or what they decide to do as as a result of kind of moving these you know moving these playoffs or you know expanding the playoffs. We'll see if they they stick with the same. Um, you know, host cities or, you know, what they, what they decide to do. So, but exciting times in college football, I think, yeah, finally giving what the, what the fans have been asking for here, you know, since the playoffs somewhat have have started. So um, I think definitely the four teams, you know, was something that they needed to go to, you know, long time ago. But I think once we kind of started to see a couple of years of the four teams, then we started to see some of the, some of the flaws that it had and, and, you know, college fans have been, clamoring for an expanded playoff, you know, since, you know, the first couple of years of that 14 playoff. Well, finally got what they want. We'll see how it, how it plays out. And we'll see, you know, if, if 12 teams really was the right, the magic number, or, you know, we need to go even, even more. I don't know. We'll see. So, all right. Well, we're going to keep, keep with college football. We are going to kind of recap some of our games of the week from, from last uh, from last week. Um, And we'll just kind of, quickly run through those and then we're going to preview uh, to kind of wrap up the show. We're going to preview our uh, big games for, for this week and in week two. So we'll see, we'll uh, start with that, uh, that big one. Uh, you know, <laughs> wow. Uh, number 11, Oregon uh, only putting up a measly three points against uh, number three, Georgia, who uh, scored 49 points. And honestly probably could have scored a heck of a lot more, but um, you know, I think they were trying to somewhat, you know, not crush Oregon soul, but, uh, yeah, well, Matt, what, what do you think about about that game? I mean, there's probably not a whole lot to say in that one other than total dominance on one side and not so dominance on the other.
0: Yeah, just really pleasantly surprising Georgia's offense. I knew I knew they'd be better this year, and they, they really came out and showed it on the offensive side. And their defense didn't miss a step, man. Mm-hmm. They forced two interceptions and held Oregon to 313 total yards of mm-hmm. the game. I mean, that defense was just flying around, and it, 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 if if they. You would have told me that they lost probably. Was it was like eight starters to the NFL off right. five, five of them were selected yeah. in the first round. Yeah, you, so, you, you wouldn't believe it. Right, sure,
1: right. Yeah, no, they they definitely you know didn't rebuild is not the word. It's reloaded at this yeah. point. I um, mean they, they they did their did their job, but the offense you know took care of business as well. And you know I think uh, I think Oregon quarterback Bo Nix will be happy that if he never sees. That Georgia team ever again. He falls to zero and four all time <laughs> against against Georgia, and you know, again, just not a very good outing against you know against Georgia. But you know, like I told people, I was like, you know, don't get wrong. I don't think Bo Nix is is a phenomenal quarterback or an elite level quarterback. But that Georgia defense will make any quarterback look like a mediocre quarterback. So there is probably only a handful of guys that can that can really you know hang with that with that Georgia defense that just seems like they're everywhere. All the time, so we'll we'll see how Georgia does. You know that that's obviously a statement win for them to kick off the season. Um, you know, to continue their their run after winning the national championship last year, and we'll see how Oregon recovers from that from that beatdown and see if they can still be an elite team at least in the in the Pac-12.
0: And I know uh, the result of that game had a lot of Buckeye fans up in arms because mm-hmm. it moved Georgia up to number two and dropped the Buckeyes to number three in mm-hmm. the uh, in the rankings right now. Like, you know, if you ask me, rightfully so, Georgia just looked absolutely dominant. Mm-hmm. Don't get me wrong; the Buckeyes look good in their game against Notre Dame, but mm-hmm. that Georgia team looks spectacular. If yeah. anything, I think Alabama should have maybe dropped to three, kept mm-hmm. Ohio State at two, and I think Georgia should have gone third, number one the way yeah. they played that first yeah. game They're
1: against a you know what we thought was an elite team right. in, in Oregon, obviously. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, they they never missed a beat, or you know, does not look like they missed a beat from from last year. We'll see, we'll see how it goes. But uh, yeah, great performance by that Georgia Bulldogs team. All right. Well, moving on to the next one, which uh, seemed to be a little bit closer than maybe what people what people you know gave Cincinnati credit for, and that's uh, you know number twenty three Cincinnati losing by a touchdown, twenty four to thirty one to number nineteen Arkansas. Yeah, and like I said, I think you know people were pleasantly you know somewhat surprised, and and I think when you look at this game, I think Cincinnati can kind of kick themselves. They they had a lot of missed missed opportunities in this one. They they had you know the chances to to win this game or you know to keep this game. Close or maybe even force it to overtime. I mean, they they had four of their drives in the first half that ended in in Arkansas territory. Three of the four, one was an interception, and two they they missed two field goals. So you know, there's there's six points right there, and you know that interception there, maybe another field goal. There's right. there's nine points. There's your there's your ball game. They they win it. So right. just a lot of I think that they can look back on this one and say, man, we we had a chance in this one. We really should have gotten right. this one. And you know, I I don't think that Cincinnati can you know hang their heads because yeah, I think they held their held their you know uh, held their own against you know a, a decent you know SEC team in Arkansas, but. I think the difference maker was, you know, the the QB play for, for Arkansas, the, the big guy with, with K.J. Jefferson yeah. there. Yeah,
0: I talked about that going in, but I thought he'd be the difference of this game, and he ended up having three passing touchdowns, and he rushed for another one. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I also talked about the big thing for Cincinnati was losing those guys in their secondary. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you lost Sauce Gardner. You right. lost uh, you know, another really good player there in their secondary. Mm-hmm. I can't think of his name offhand. But, you know, those two guys, that, that was a huge loss for them. They gave up three passing touchdowns, which mm-hmm. is something – I don't know that that happened to them all last year. Right, right. So I, that, that definitely hurt them a lot coming in. But I, I, I was still pleasantly surprised by how well the Cincinnati team played. Mm-hmm. I, I thought maybe Arkansas would, would put a little more distance between the two of them just yeah. from that great quarterback play they have. So Cincinnati's got a lot to be proud of. And, I, you know, if they win out this year, they'll, they'll still be ranked pretty high. That, get it, not get not, not good bowl. enough to get into the playoffs, right. but they'll still get a great bowl game.
1: Right, right. Just because, unfortunately, excuse me, the conference that they play in just, you know, is not, you know, elite enough that, I mean, at this point, Cincinnati probably going to run the table from here on out right. I and mean, their conference is not, is not good, but that also hurts them in the long run because there's not a lot of ranked teams or good teams yeah. in that conference yeah. just doesn't give them a lot of opportunities or a lot of chances for the voters or for the, you know, for the board on the, the college football playoff committee to say, yeah, the Cincinnati team deserves to be you know back in. So, but I think, yeah, definitely, you know, Arkansas, you know, they, they showed, you know, that, they're they're a decent team, but they're they're going to have to play a lot better if they want to yeah, keep absolutely. keep keep up in this you know a tough SEC. So we'll see we'll see what happens there. But uh, another one on the on the slate, then you know there was a another big shocker in an SEC team, and that's number seven Utah getting beat by the Florida Gators twenty nine by by a score of twenty nine to twenty six. And the seventh ranked Utah Utes, man, I don't know there was something in the water there in Gainesville because uh, they 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 looked they looked good, um, you know they. They shocked me. They shocked, I think, a lot of people at how well that they played coming in with a with a new coach and just you know a lot of a lot of question marks of you know what their quarterback was going to be able to do. And I mean, that guy was electric on the field uh, for for Florida, and um, I think single handedly probably won him, won them the game. So, it uh, but yeah, Utah just looked looked a little flat. Didn't look you know like we had saw them you know the last time they played played in that Rose Bowl. Um, they just yeah didn't look like the, the same team we saw you know about you know you know, several, several
0: months ago. So yeah, maybe, I, what do you I, think? I don't think Utah was really ready for the, for the conditions of coming into Florida, mm-hmm. the, the humidity, the heat, mm-hmm. all the extra and all that. Cause there's actually video of Utah guys Just and puffing and on yeah. the sidelines, right. you know, it, 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 the, the conditions definitely affected them. I think it definitely slowed their offense down a little mm-hmm. bit. You know, Utah still had a chance to win this thing at the end of the game. They had a pass in the end zone that, you know, Florida picked off to seal the deal. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, Utah was right there. Um, I'm a little sur- I was a little surprised at how well Florida did. Mm-hmm. What I'm more surprised about is how Florida goes from unranked to number twelve in the ranking. <laughs> after jump. This game, <laughs> yeah. It's not like they blew the number seven seed out. This game right. was close the mm-hmm. whole way. Mm-hmm. I-, I don't know that it was that impressive. But... Right. Yeah. I think they did. They
1: did just enough to win at this point. You know, and it helped. Obviously, they're playing. We're playing at home. I mean, that that was a big thing. A lot of you know what I talked about last week is being able to play in front of your home crowd in this you know big big you know big matchup. So we'll see. And, you know, like I said, not a good showing for the PAC 12, mm-hmm. you know, the two top, you know, top teams, there taking it, taking it on the chin to some sec teams. So it, you know, kind of shows you the pecking order of where the PAC 12 stands and where the yeah. sec is. So we'll see if the, the PAC 12 can turn it around and see if they can, you know, keep their, you know, they, they somewhat eliminated their playoff hopes there in, in week one. Now, it now it rests on the back of, of USC at this right. point to see if they can, you know, keep keep moving along and give the Pac-12 a shot at,
0: at, at making the playoff. I guess the Big Ten will, t- will take that
1: one if they do, right? <laughs> right, absolutely. <laughs> so, uh, well, moving in then over to our Big Ten team, and that's the uh, number two Ohio State Buckeyes getting the victory over number five Notre Dame uh, by a score of 21 to 10. And, you know, it. I, I think you could probably look at this game and you could say, man, this was a kind of a boring game to watch. If, if you don't like scoring, it, it right. was a, a real kind of a chess match mm-hmm. back and forth for – you know, a long time and, and, you know, kind of interesting to see, but I think if you're Ohio state fans, you're saying where our
0: offense go,
1: Yeah, where our offense go, but man, we finally saw our defense, you know, potentially play up to what it's capable of, or, you know, a a total 180 from what what we saw last Mm -hmm. year. So it's uh, definitely, you know, maybe not what Ohio state was expecting. Obviously, you know, Vegas had them favored at at 17 points there and, you know, they got, got an 11 point victory and probably not what the Buckeye fans were expecting. They thought, you know, Buckeyes score a a lot more points than 21, but you hold teams to 10, you got good chances of of winning every game. So I think they have to, you know, take it, take it with a, you know, a grain of salt there. You know, offense has some work to do, but you know, the defense definitely much improved at least through week one than Mm -hmm. what we saw
0: last year. It's it's funny. Everybody talked about how bad of a game the Buckeyes had on the offensive side, but you know, CJ Stroud got interviewed after the game and you know, he was like, well, You know, we won. That's what matters. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And then he also told people, you know, how bad was our offense really? He completed 70% of his passes Mm -hmm. out there. Mm -hmm. This game was really just a slow-paced game. Mm -hmm. Neither team really got moving. There weren't a lot of possessions. right? So I I think that really kind of helped keep the score low. It wasn't necessarily that the Buckeyes' offense was that bad. Mm -hmm. I mean, like I said, the quarterback completing 70% of his passes, Mm -hmm. throwing a couple touchdowns. uh, you know, I, I, I think they played well and they showed, they finally showed some ground game too. Mm-hmm. It was great to see the, the running backs kind of bursting through the hole right. and, and, you know, showing a little fight there, the offensive line pushing guys around in the fourth quarter. That was really nice to see some toughness out of this Buckeye team that mm-hmm. last year, frankly, was, was questioned for their toughness mm-hmm. down the stretch.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, if, I, if I'm Notre Dame here, I mean, you got to say, you know, maybe everybody's suspicions were right that you know Notre Dame probably wasn't the number five team mm-hmm. in the in the country, or at least they didn't play like they they did, or you know. And I, and I think you know I told a lot of people I think Notre Dame's defense is going to keep them in a lot of games, right. but that offense got to they've got, they've got a lot of. They're only going to go as far as that offense can take them, and at the moment, it ain't going to take them very far. Um, you know, they got got to find out. You know, as good as maybe their quarterback played. I just don't know that he's the guy. I mean, he he only threw 18 passes and it wasn't like Notre Dame really got the running game going or anything to say, Oh, we don't really need him to throw 20 or 30 times a game. You know, they don't really have a, 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 you know, running game to rely on to where they can take some of the pressure off their quarterback. So they're going to have to figure out a way to, you know, get him, you know, get the ball down the field, move the ball a little bit better than they did, you know, in this, in this game. But, uh, yeah, Notre Dame has a lot of work to do because, like I said last week, this is not Notre Dame's. You know, they still got a lot of tough games left on the Absolutely. on the slate. They got Clemson, they got USC, they got BYU. All three ranked opponents still left on the schedule. That you know, this one you know obviously hurts their their playoff seat. You know, playoff chances, but it doesn't ruin their season. Right. They still got a lot of elite level teams mm-hmm. that are, are going to make or break. You know, is this team really going to propel to? An elite level bowl game, or are they going to be a team that goes, you know, maybe five hundred and and just squeaks into a bowl? So um, I
0: mean, one loss, you can still get into the playoffs. Right. Very very rarely has right. Well, especially never, this. Never has all four especially teams had no the in Yeah, the
1: especially this early in the season. Yeah,
0: Absolutely. Yeah.
1: So we'll see what happens, you know. But uh, yeah, strong showing for that Ohio State defense, and we'll see if they can keep keep it going. But uh, last recap on the slate there, a, a, a game that turned out to be a heck of a game at the right. at the end i mean i thought florida state had it had it in control but then you know we got a little nervous there and florida state i thought oh man here we go know, same old same old <laughs> florida state that we're used to seeing here the last several several years uh, but they came out on top you know florida state won by a measly point uh 24 uh against lsu uh 23 so matt what did you think of this game i mean it, like i said it, it was kind of a Came down to the last, the fourth quarter I and mean, Florida yeah. state was in control until about the last
0: 10 minutes of the game. And yeah. then all heck broke loose. Right. So yeah, LSU started getting their offense rolling there mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. showing, showing signs of life. But man, what, what a way for Florida state to, to seal this thing, block, blocking the, the the kick that would have tied it up and send it to overtime. <laughs> Cause the, the touchdown was with no time left. Right, so, um, right. It was either make it and go to overtime or, or miss it and go home. Right. Right. So, you know, that, what, what a way for Florida state to finish it out. And, you know, I, I was kind of surprised at Florida State's offense. Uh, they, they played really well, and they, they, but it was different this week than last week because mm-hmm. the, the week before they had a the big, big-time it, rushing game going, yeah. and, and this week it was more their passing game. Yeah, so, yeah. you know, they're showing they can do it different ways. And, and let's be honest, in, in the uh, conference they're in there in the ACC – they, they could be a real contender yeah, there but yeah. looking at LSU losing a game like this and not, yeah. not playing their best right. it's looking like it could be a long year for LSU so mm-hmm. these two teams both come out with completely polar opposite mm-hmm. feelings on, mm-hmm. on what their seasons going to look like right. going forward. Yeah.
1: Like I said, yeah, hats off to Florida State. They're they're starting 2 and 0 for the first time since 2016. They still have some stuff to clean up. They they did commit 7 penalties for 80 yards in that game and you know maybe can point some fingers as to why that allowed LSU to somewhat come back in that in that game but uh you know they they played well but yeah I think LSU has some some question marks there on the offensive side of the ball and I don't think it's at quarterback which is what we thought you know might be the question of who we're going to start who we're going to play I think by far you know the the transfer from Arizona State and Jaden Daniels I think uh, Brian Kelly made the right the right pick the only problem is is that was the only guy that seemed to show up on that LSU offense. Well, yeah, he did everything did, for everybody him. I
0: thought their big receiver was going to have the, the best game of his life. Right. And, and he really didn't even show up this game. Right.
1: Yeah. I mean, uh, Jaden Daniels, 26 for 35 for 209 passing yards, two passing touchdowns, 16 carries, 114 rushing yards, but was sacked four times. Oh. And, that, and that guy, you know, he he's not a very big guy. So you can't, can't afford to have him on the ground too many times. you mm-hmm. got to, got to keep him upright if you want to keep him going, but they're going to have to figure out a way to get other people involved on that offensive side of the ball because he's not going to last through the whole season. If he's got to do, got to do this, especially getting sacked, you know, multiple times a game. So I think LSU has a little bit of, you know, more questions than answers right now. And, you know, it's tough during the season to figure out those because you don't, you don't got a lot of time in between to to figure them out. So, And, uh, you know, LSU
0: playing in a tough sec conference. So, and it's crazy. These LSU fans, a lot of them are already calling for Brian Kelly's head after, <laughs> yeah. after, after week, after week one, won, so they're not a happy fan.
1: Base right. right now. Yeah,
0: absolutely. So we'll
1: see what, uh, what happens with old Brian Kelly in his first year down there, down there in LSU and, uh, see if, see if he can get it, get it turned around. But, uh, all right. Well, yeah, we're going to switch it over here real quick to um, our, our games of the week here in week two. And uh, we're going to start off with another SEC, you know, uh, matchup. And that's uh, number one, Alabama, you know, started off the season 1-0 against Texas at, at 1-0. That game's going to be a noon Eastern time game over on Fox. And currently Alabama has them slated as a 20, Vegas has Alabama slated as a 20 point favorite. So Matt, what what do you think about that?
0: Kind of surprising to see a marquee matchup between two two primetime schools mm. being a noon game on Fox. That, yeah, that's a little weird. But right. I guess you know you do see Alabama coming out as a twenty point favorite. Mm. You know, Alabama dominated their first game in Texas. They didn't look bad in their first game either. But you know, I, I do I actually think this game is going to be a little closer than the, the twenty point spread okay. that they're given. But okay. Alabama's just got way too much offense, and I don't think Texas is going to be able to keep up. I mean, last week Alabama amassed 559 yards of total offense, and it didn't look like it could be stopped anyway. Yeah. So it's, yeah. it's I don't, I don't I think Texas is going to have trouble with that offense. I I think Texas will be able to score though. I think mm. Texas will be able to make this a football game, but I I'm I'm taking Alabama to win this thing. All
1: right. Yeah. Well, like you said, Alabama dominated in their their first week, and uh, you know by a score of 55 to nothing, and they didn't even score a single point in the fourth quarter, which they probably did by their own choosing. Um, But, uh, you know, I I think, yeah, this this Texas team, I don't think this is going to be, you know, a, a, you know, a way way to radar to say, you know, Texas is back. Texas is not back because there, there aren't too many teams in the country that are going to be able to beat this Alabama team. I don't care who you are. Uh, So, you know, to say if Texas loses game that up, it's a typical Texas, they're not back, you know, whatever. I just don't think that's fair. Um, But you do have to look at it, and, you know, this is the same, you know, relatively same Texas team that went 5-7 and seven last year. Mm-hmm. Now, they do have some talented skill players at the QB, the running back in the wide receiver position, but Alabama has star players at every position. So, I think, you know, Alabama wins this one. I, I think that they do cover that that 20-point spread. Um, yeah. And also, you know, since the Chief is not in here, he
0: also sent me his, his picks. Okay. He's got the Crimson Tide in this one as well. <clears throat> And I'll tell you, Texas is going to get, get a very good look at their uh, their future here. They're, they are making that move to the SEC soon. Mm-hmm, right. Uh, they, they may be rude. They may get a rude, get a rude awakening yeah. here.
1: So. Um, but, yeah, interesting to see, you know, what happens then, you know, going forward then, like, just like Matt said, with Texas making the jump to the SEC. So, all right. Well, uh, moving over then to uh, an SEC versus an ACC, you know, early ranked matchup here. And that's number 24, Tennessee. Coming in at one and zero against number seventeen Pittsburgh at one and zero, a uh, three thirty p.m. Eastern time over on ABC and uh, Tennessee currently favored by six and a half points, even though they're on the on the road here. So, gonna be gonna be interesting. Uh, these two teams faced off against each other last year with uh, Pitt winning in Knoxville by a score of forty one to thirty four. So high scoring, you know, affair, and I am not expecting this one to be any different. I think it, the offenses are going to be rolling. It's going to be fireworks here, here, um, you know, in, in Pitt. Um, but I think at the end of the day, I think Tennessee has more playmakers on that offensive side of the ball. Um, last year, or last week, QB Hinden Hooker, granted it was against Ball State, but he had 351 passing yards, two passing touchdowns, two rushing touchdowns, and only five carries. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just a, a big guy, you know, for, for Tennessee. I just think that they got a lot more playmakers on that offensive side of the ball but I expect this one to be a barn burner. I think Tennessee wins this one in the high-scoring
0: affair. The Chief agrees with me as well. He's got the Tennessee Volunteers. Yeah, like I said, Tennessee last week put up 59 points. I think they're going to do a lot more of the same Mm -hmm. this week. That offense is just they're hitting on all cylinders. And, you know, Pittsburgh, they're going to come out of last week a little bit tired. They kind mm-hmm. of they started the season with, with basically kind of a rivalry right, for them. Yeah. Pittsburgh, West Virginia is mm-hmm. a, a big deal around there. Yeah. So, you know, they, they put a lot into that game, and yeah. they, they won a close one. Right. Yeah, it came down, down to the a, wire. a last so, play. So. so, you know, I think Pittsburgh is going to come into this even a, a little tired. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that, that plays in Tennessee's favor as well. All right. Well, then, moving over to a uh, a big matchup that that you know could potentially have some
1: playoff implications for for a small team, and that's uh, number twenty-five, Houston, at one zero, going up against uh, Texas Tech at one zero. This game is a four p.m. Eastern time start over on Fox Sports One, and uh, currently Texas Tech uh, favored by three points uh, coming into this one. Matt, what do you what do you think about this one? Do you think Houston can pull off the upset and
0: and keep their playoff hopes alive, or? You know that being favored by three points, Texas Tech's the home team, so that's basically saying this game's a wash. It's mm-hmm. it's anybody's game. Mm-hmm. So you know, I'm going back and looking at what both these teams did last week. Texas Tech put up 63 points, 605 yards of total offense mm-hmm. last week, um, while Houston last week they gave up 35 points with their defense. Mm-hmm. So. You know, this this Houston defense isn't kind of what they've had the last few years mm-hmm. where they've kind of been known for their defense mm-hmm. and, and they've played really well on that side of the ball. Yeah. The way Texas Tech's putting up points, I, I'm, I'm taking Texas Tech in this one. All
1: right. Yeah. Well, I think this is going to be an interesting one. You know, I, I was kind of reading some stats and I didn't realize that these two teams have actually played each other, you know, a relatively, you know, quite a bit, uh, you know, as far as numbers goes, because Houston leads the series 18 to 14 to one, but... Houston has lost the last four of these of these matchups. So, but yeah, I gotta agree with you, Matt. That that last week, you know, Houston obviously, you know, I mean, Texas Tech gonna start the backup QB this week. Their starting QBs out, gonna be out for at least a couple of weeks here. So, gonna have a backup QB in there. But he came in there and actually looked like he played better than the starter. You know, hadn't had a phenomenal you know outing as the as the backup. But uh, you know, I think Houston's secondary. Super vulnerable at this Mm -hmm. point, and I just don't think that's a good a good look coming up against a Texas Tech team that can spread the ball all over the place. Um, You know, last week Houston's secondary they allowed uh, you know University of Texas San Antonio quarterback to throw for three hundred and thirty seven yards and three touchdowns. Even though by some miracle in triple overtime, Houston came out with came out with a victory. I like Texas Tech to get this one done. The uh, the chief agrees with me. He's got Texas Tech to win this one as well. A lot lot of agreement going on. Yeah. Yeah. We got a, got a uh, kind of chalk here for all of us, but uh, so we'll probably all be wrong, but we'll we'll see what happens. But uh, an early SEC matchup, you know, battle here. And that's uh, between number 20, Kentucky at 1-0 going up against the surprising number 12 Florida team at 1-0. It's a 7 p.m. Eastern time game over on ESPN. And currently Florida playing at home favored by a uh, measly four and a half points. So Matt, what do you what do you think about this one? Is Florida going to continue that momentum, or does it stop here with the, with the Wildcats?
0: Yeah, you know, I I think last week did a lot for Florida's confidence. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's it's gonna it's gonna propel them to to have a pretty good season here, and I I think they they keep the winning ways going this week, and I think they knock off Kentucky. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I think. Uh, you know, I think I think for this Kentucky team to pull off the upset, they're gonna have to make
1: Florida's quarterback Anthony Richardson make big plays with mm-hmm. his arm. They cannot let him scramble around back there, make plays with his legs. That just seemed to be, you know, Utah's kryptonite last mm-hmm. week that they just didn't have an answer for him, you know, running around back there. So I, I but I just don't think Kentucky has is, is going to be able to get it done that the Utah, their their rushing attack is probably one of the best in the country. They got almost gashed for 300 yards. Right. I don't think Kentucky's defense or, you know, rushing defense is anywhere near that. So we could see, you know, Florida run away with this one if they can establish that run game and get it going early. Plus, Kentucky only has one win since 1979 when they have to go at Florida. So right. not not history is definitely not on Kentucky's side here. I like Florida playing again at home. Florida Gators win it. Uh, the chief agrees. He's got the Florida, the Florida Gators. <laughs> All right, last one. You know, last game on the slate before we before we wrap up the show. It's another top twenty five matchup out out west. We got number nine Baylor at one and zero coming up against number twenty one BYU at one and zero. We're gonna have to stay up late for this one, folks. It's a ten fifteen p.m. Eastern time over on ESPN. And currently, BYU favored by four points. Um, even though being quite a bit, you know, in the rankings back behind Baylor,
0: so. Now, what do you what do you think? Can can BYU pull off the upset? I'll tell you what, if you're into offense, you'll be perfectly fine staying up that late All because right. both of these teams last week just looked unstoppable on the offensive side of the ball. They were going up and down the field scoring tons of points. You know, I, I think Baylor's defense looks slightly better than BYU. Mm-hmm. So I think the defense is gonna be the the, the key to this game and I, I think Baylor's gonna get the stops where it matters and mm-hmm be just enough to pull out a victory here. All right.
1: All right. Well, yeah, I think for me, you know, between that defense of Baylor and then, you know, another stat here, and that's the fact that uh, Baylor returns four of their starters on the offensive line. Um, There's only eight schools in the country that return all five of their starters and only 31 that returned at least, you know, four of their starters and Baylor being one of those 31. This, this unit uh, these four starters have combined for a total of 171 games played right. uh, which is second in the country so i think between the defense on the bay you know for baylor and the offensive line of being able to establish and, and just you know kind of wear down BYU right. i think uh you know i think you B- i think baylor will, will get it done um you know and, and pull off you know pull off the upset at this point because you know they're the underdogs right. um you know and i think but I think for, for BYU to really be, you know, be special in this one, they're going to really have to rely heavily on their, on their QB in, in Jaron Hall. Um, you know, and, and, uh, last year, I mean, threw for 350 yards, only one passing touchdown, but was sacked five times when they played Baylor last right. year. So I think mean, for BYU to, 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 write the ship against Baylor, they're going to have to keep their quarterback upright, you know, and, and allow him to, to, you know, stay in the pocket. But, uh, I think this Baylor Baylor defense is still, you know, an elite level defense Mm -hmm. like the Baylor bears to get it done. And, uh, the chief must've been looking at my notes or something because, (laughs) uh, he likes the Baylor bears to get it done too. So we'll see, we'll see what happens, but, uh, you know, it's an exciting week two. you know, still early season. And we got, you know, five, you know, crazy games or, you know, great games here in, in college football. So.
0: And what uh, do you have the rundown from last week? I think I was four and one. You were four and one was the, yes. the same as well. No, he you... went, he went three, three and two. two. Yeah,
1: okay. The only one that he got wrong. We, we all got the Utah game wrong. Yeah. And we got The chief got the Utah game wrong and the uh, Cincinnati, Arkansas game wrong. So uh we're, Starting off, you know, pretty Matt and I starting off pretty hot. We'll see if we can keep keep the momentum going here in week two, and uh, you know, keep the keep the season rolling. So, all right, well, that's uh, it for our show this week. We uh, appreciate you listening to Fired Up with your hosts Colton Cal Matt Cordes. We uh, hope you enjoyed our episode this week, and uh, if you want to hear other topics for future episodes, or you just got a burning sports question you want to hear us talk about on the show feel free to hit us up on our uh, different social medias. We got uh, Instagram at uh, our handle is fired up underscore podcast, or you can find us over on Facebook at uh, fired up comma sports podcast. And as always, if you want to hear, uh, you know, some of our past episodes or, you know, just want to hear a little bit of uh, information or find out a little bit of information about the show, you can uh, head over to our website, which is fired up one.podbean.com. And uh, you want to see some or listen to a lot of our past episodes or, want to listen to this episode that'll be posted tomorrow um you can listen to every you know all of our episodes on pretty much any podcast platform you can think of apple google spotify pandora you can find us you know anywhere where you can listen to a podcast you can find our show so appreciate you guys listening and as always stay, stay fired free. up